You might be thinking that because the 2% interest rate days are over, that you can't actually scale your portfolio. This is very far from the truth. Now, I'm not saying it's become easier or it is easy. It's definitely not easy, but it's definitely far from the truth that you can't scale a portfolio just because interest rates have gone up. It is just one factor on the downside, but there are many factors on the good side. So in today's episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk you through multiple variables to get you to the other side of scaling a portfolio so you can actually start to see it happen in 7% interest rates. Now, if you like content like this today, uh, or if you've enjoyed anything else on this channel or podcast, please do click the like, subscribe button, and drop a comment as well for any other ideas that you might have. And if you've really been enjoying it, please do leave us a review. So back to this particular topic, how do you scale in 7% interest rate times? Firstly, let's talk about the topic of interest rates. In a chart with trading economics, we've actually reviewed two components and I've overlaid it with price data. First was interest rates that have been going up. And then secondly was price data to follow. Now, obviously, when you're thinking of interest rates, you go, no, not good. Going up equals tough repayment times. Prices therefore must go down because repayments are getting tougher. But it's important to take a step back and go, why did interest rates even increase to begin with? Now, there's multiple reasons. But one of them has to do with the economy being quite strong. In an inflationary environment, when the economy is strong, it's also due to purchasing power or more cash in the system, wages rising. There are many factors. But the fact here is that when an economy is strong, unemployment's low, jobs are high, confidence is high. It's not always that these factors come into play perfectly, but majority of the times, those things are there or present. And when that's there, it is another reason for more ability for the marketplace to actually purchase and transact. And there isn't just a simple equation of repayments are up and therefore prices must go down. You're seeing that in front of our eyes right now. You've seen that not just now, but in this chart that you can see, or if you're tuning in, you can hear about, is that these prices did go up even during times when interest rates have gone up, not just now, but in the past as well. So that trend's quite clear. Now, if you're on our podcast channels and you're tuning into this on the road and you're going, ah, do you really want to learn about this more? Well, jump on the YouTube. It's totally free. Check it out. And you can follow us at Investikit. Click the like and subscribe there. And you'll be able to see this video and actually see the trends that are displayed with regards to prices and interest rates really moving quite well together in that similar direction. And it's the same on the flip side. When interest rates start going down, they're usually there because we're trying to poke at the bear, we're trying to poke it with a stick and going, hey, wake up, economy, make more jobs, increase more wages, make more spending occur. So it's not actually what you think where just interest rates going low mean everything's great. Interest rates going low is actually things not so great with the economy and we're trying to make it recover. So that's why it ends up happening. Now, in this case, you're scaling a portfolio. So what are the core variables? Well, before we go to the variables, I actually want to look over here and I've got my screen up to talk through a couple of scenarios with borrowing capacity because borrowing capacity is the hot topic, right? Borrowing capacity getting impacted is essentially going to negatively shift your portfolio scaling abilities. And that's true. And that's one of the downsides of interest rates actually impacting you. But there are so many variables on the upside that you can dial that you don't have to just sit still and go, ah, maybe another day to go outside because it's raining today. Interest rates are going up. That's not how things work. There needs to be proactive action. 
There needs to be decision-making from you and variables that you can know how to change to be able to actually scale the portfolio. So let's go through those. Now I've got a CBA borrowing capacity calculator. And what I've got here in front of me is someone who's on a 120K wage. Uh, they've got a bit of savings. They've got a car loan as well. And they're actually making car loan repayments, still paying rent. So they're the old rent vesta. And they've got a property already, which is renting for 500 a week or two grand a month. And they've got another property they're going to purchase also renting for two grand a month. So we've got these numbers here. And with these numbers, we're going to run through. Now, with 7% interest rates, remember, I've got, I think, the CBA calculator showing 6.35. Remember, you're going to have different banks. And some banks will have you at 7.2, 7.3, some at 6.5. But 7 is just that midpoint we're taking for the sake of this conversation. So what we've done is input all those calculations. And the borrowing capacity is not looking pretty with CBA. It's at about 148K remaining. So you'd go, hey, Arjun, that person's got one property. They can't do anymore. They're not going to get that second property. Well, let's start going through the variables. I think the first variable glaring at me outside of the person's situation is CBA ain't the only bank. It's not the only place. There are going to be other banks that you can go to to unlock a wave of borrowing capacity. And I'm not saying a small amount like 50K or 100K. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars just by someone viewing your situation differently. So here's the old broker versus bank thing. You need to consider brokers when you're in a scaling environment because it's about the bank that gets brought to you, not you being brought to the bank that you work with. Very interesting and key thing to remember because you don't go to a bank and they offer you multiple other bank solutions. That's what brokers do. So now we go to the next part. Remember that car loan that you had? How about try getting rid of that? Let's see the impact that does this. So I'm going to this car loan, six, $700 a month repayment. So if I get rid of that and make it zero, we've gone to 244K in borrowing capacity. So immediately an extra 100K, right? Now we're not buying a property just because of that extra 100K because we're at 244, but 100K is a huge number. So imagine if you're at maybe a different income level and you're at say 400K borrowing and I remove your car loan and get you to 500K. Huge change, right? That now unlocks many, many more properties, but it's not doing too much at this number of 144 to 244. But that is the key, the old car loans. Fun fact, I haven't had a car loan in forever. I think the last car loan I had was like 2018, which was five, five years ago now. And then in 2019, 2020, I actually ended up having my dad, um, I think it was maybe this COVID thing when everyone was doing weird stuff and just doing random things. And I essentially decided to get a car that cost me $1,000, right? So a car for $1,000 was because my dad's a, a mechanic and sometimes people just leave their cars behind when they don't want to fix it if they think it's just too much work. And I think someone did that. They're like, no, nah, can't be bothered. I'm just going to leave this behind. So my dad spent maybe a couple of grand, two, two max, maybe one to two fixing it. So Mitsubishi Pajero 2002, that was fun. Except what wasn't fun is the steering wheel would like, you kind of feel like you're about to roll over every time you do a too, too sharp of a turn. Um, but overall, you could look at that as fun if you want to. But I guess um, for me, that wasn't too fun. But I, I definitely kept going at it until something wore out or until it broke. And yeah, eventually gave up. And it lasted a few good years. Now, what that did for me is that actually did multiple things. Firstly, it's clear over here, it saved me 100, maybe 200K in borrowing capacity from a perspective of scaling. But the second thing is once you apply decisions like that in one area of your life, do you think that you'd probably start applying that to the rest of them? Because guess what? When I was in that $1,000 car, I wasn't wearing a three-piece suit. 
So <laughs> I think when you're in that $1,000 Mitsubishi Pajero, you'd probably see me with my shorts and shirt. And to be honest, there were nothing but Kmart shirts the whole time. So I think the key thing there is that it was habits that flowed through many parts of my life. And that allowed me to focus on what was really important, which was wealth building and building the business, building things to help our clients. And so during that same time, I ended up growing my wealth pretty substantially. In fact, in 2021 alone, I picked up five properties going into 2022. And in 2021, I picked up another two. So it just shows you that during that same time, I was actively making wealth-based decisions and spending money, but I just wasn't spending it on things like car loans because I had $1,000 cars and wasn't spending them on a lot of clothes either because I had, uh, you know, four for $60 shirts or something like that. Probably even cheaper to think about. Those are good Kmart shirts, by the way. So we're now going to go to the next borrowing capacity impactor, and that is the biggest one in my opinion, and this is increasing your personal income. So a quick story on personal income increase. At 18, my first job, I think it was 38K or 42K, but that was my first full-time job in terms of working as a bank teller at CBA, and that was the first bit of money I was making. And that rapidly changed over the years ahead. Now, this was very important because without that career progression from 18 to 21 to 22 to earning double six figures at 24, 25 as a bank manager at CBA, that wouldn't have allowed me to scale the portfolio. I can promise that to you today. So whatever anyone else says out there, you can do this on a small wage. You can do this uh, really easily. You can start on a small wage like I did, but you cannot end unless you start so early that you have time on your side, compounding for 30, 40, 50 years, you're unlikely able to achieve what you want to achieve, just remaining on the income. It needs to grow over time. And this is where being a successful property investor is not just about the decisions of the investment you, you make, it's actually using all these tools and realizing that once you add up all the separate points, and there's, by the way, a few more points to share with you, so please stick till the end. Once you add up all the points here, you're going to be able to look at it and go, this isn't about actions to take. This is about you remodeling, rewiring, shifting your perception of how an investor actually should be. Because an investing decision is not just the property you make, it's the mindset that you carry, it's the behaviors that you have. And this changed for me from the suits that I'd wear to the car that I drive to the things I loved and liked. And now it's all about an experiences person, not a things person. And the only thing I want to have is just more and more assets and property and more and more wealth creation for my family uh, and more and more positive impact on that front. So this is the third thing now. We're going to go to income. So the first one is CBA is not the only bank. Just to make sure you get a bit of a recap. The second one is pay out the car loan. Get rid of that. And here's the third one, increasing your income. It just makes monumental shifts. So if I go over to the borrowing calculator, I'm now at 244 and I change the income. We're going to see how much it dials with CBA if I move it from 120K to 130. 120 to 130 move from 244 to 294. Crazy. You know, like that's nuts. That's a 50K increase, 50Ks because of your 10K. So this is now using little rules, right? Called five times debt to income ratio. So just so you know, the environment we're in from a scaling perspective, it could go up to 7.5 times when the times were good, when money was cheap. But now it's at about five times. That's only with CBA though. Remember, if you dial to other banks, you'll find your way up creeping up to that 7.5, maybe seven max, six and a half max. But five to 7.5 times of your income equals that borrowing capacity. And here's just a 10K increase here from 120 to 130. And we've moved up from 240s to 295. So now what we're going to do, 
is jump this bad boy even more. We're going to stress out all your bosses listening to this. We're going to stress out all the companies you're at who aren't pumping your income up. And you might leave a job. You might get a promotion. You might work twice as hard. You might get a different industry shift. You might go even into better performance or better bonuses. Whatever it is, let's play around with this. Let's go from 110 to 120. Actually, 120 to 130. Now we're going 130 to 140. Takes it up 100K. Almost 100. It's about 80. 375. Now let's move this up to 150 and you're at 457. So it's not a perfect 10K multiply equals 50. It's actually rising in some parts. So all of a sudden I've gone from a 120 to a 150K and that's moved up from a 244 to 457, almost doubling your borrowing capacity. Now 457 and that 240s is a 200K plus shift. Now, that's what it did at that number going up to the mid fours, definitely able to purchase another property now. But imagine what that would have done for someone with the four or six hundreds in borrowing capacity, taking them to eight or nine hundreds. And this is still with the same one big major bank that already shifts you to two properties instead of one. And that's two additional, not one additional. So this is now really starting to help. So that's point number three, how you can use income as your big driving factor. Now, I can assure you in our role, and I say our, when I was in the banking space, the branch manager role had bandwidth from 100K all the way up to 200K on performance. So it shows you it's sometimes not this drastic shift of, you know, having to go to a new company, a new boss, a new job. It is just you, internally you, making a better impact to your team, your company, your colleagues, and having greater performance. Now, everyone seems to think greater performance equals just selling the crap out of everything. That's not the case. In banking cases, it was better usage of technology, better uses of service for clients, uh, also an element of selling, but everything there together was equating to these shift in bandwidth of that massive scale, 100 up to 200, depending on the bonuses. So what that shows you is just one career. There's many other careers. There might even be jobs. Unfortunately, they don't have that shift in bonus perspective, but there is career, there's progression in jobs. And there's progression in roles within the same company, different companies, the list goes on. But the main thing here is I just went from 120 to 150 and I've unlocked a place. At 120 to 150, with different circumstances, you may have unlocked second place, gone to another bank, another place. The list keeps going. So now we're going to go to the next one. All right. So the next one I've got here is looking for value add on the property. And this is actually also in line with just the general increasing your rents. So this scenario is actually pretty powerful. I have seen massive changes in my own portfolio. I spent 130 grand to 150, depending on, you know, I guess how long you take that project, because some of it was 130 for the main stuff. Then I did 10 or 20 stuff a little bit after. But my rents moved on my unit block in Tasmania from about 650, 700 to $1,200 in rent. Now, imagine you're getting that in isolation. By isolation, I mean, move the purchase price aside, move the current rent of 1200 and just look at the variance. So the variance was an expenditure of 130 and the variance was a rent increase from 700 to 1200 roughly, which is 500. So imagine getting a property for 130K that rents for 500 a week. That is unreal. So that shift alone is massive. So that can happen from renovations and that could happen from even just increasing rents because the market allows you to. And so there's two aspects here. Now we'll play around with both. So I'm at 457 now with no car loan and a pay rise to 150 or increases in income. If I increase my expected rental income 
actually we'll stick with the current. We'll increase the current rental income from 2,000 a month to 2,500 a month. And suddenly that now moves to 470, 1.3K. And then if I move my, and that was just through market increases, by the way. Now, if I do it from 2,000 a month to 3,000 a month in rent, that now moves it up to 515K. Every little thing matters. There's these dial shifters. But as you can see, rent is not as much of a dial shifter as your income. That's a clear, clear given right now. Now, if you're wondering why the rents aren't increasing the borrowing capacity the same way as your income does, because there's many variables to rent and the banks want to be a little bit more conservative. The first thing they'd like to do is actually do what's called shading. So shading means that, hey, if you're receiving $100 of the rent, we're going to assume an 80% rate, which is shading out 20%. So that means that if you're receiving a $100 increase, they're only counting it as $80 increase because you don't truly get the whole 100 there could be vacancies, maintenance, council, there could be uh, increases in bills or increases in management bills. All these things coming together make that difference. And so as a result, you're not getting the rent all the time due to these factors is why the banks are suddenly deciding that, hey, we'll make that shading down to 80%. Now, the other thing is that sometimes the $100 a week or $200 a week can sound and feel like a big thing on the actual, you know, rental increase parts. But it's $400 a month, which is four or five grand a year. So when you're suddenly at that number, that's not as much of an increase as a 10 grand pay rise that's not actually shaded. So that's the core factors in that rent part. So I've given you rent in two factors. I've given you one is basically just increasing on the market dynamics. And then the other part is actually increasing it on the aspects of value add for your property. Now, there are other factors here that we still haven't even gone through. And this is more like strategies around the holding of your assets, things like trusts and using them, things like the type of yields you have on your property. Imagine the new property now, which I might throw in, is not only the existing property that's increasing, but the new property will take that up to three grand of rent instead of two. And now you're at 603 borrowing capacity. Right, So there's these new rent factors, the current rent factors, the vehicle you buy, the type of property you buy, the bank you go to, and then the ones that I've gone through here today, which are around your income, which are around removing certain car loans. And then if you take a step back, what you've done is two parts. You've rewired your brain to think of how you can actually live a life that allows you to focus on these wealth building long-term activities. Number two is you're rewiring yourself to be way more solution focused than just problem focused. You know, one of my mentors talks to me about being a problem genius, just great at finding and talking about problems, just geniuses in that space. You don't want to be a problem genius. You want to be a solutions genius, someone who comes up with these solutions. So let's jot them out. It's the lifestyle you live and how you look at what you bring to the table from what you can change in your own household. It's the shifts in your income and your drive towards greater career growth and income growth. It's realizing that there's not only one bank. It's realizing that your rents can change for both the future properties you purchase and the current ones through strategic renovations or just your current rents increasing over time. And it's even realizing that there are different vehicles to buy assets in, different types of assets to buy. And lastly, not all the buying needs to happen overnight. Scaling a portfolio isn't about doing it all at once. It's about having the ability to do it, taking it to more and further heights than others may have thought possible and doing it to better your future. So it doesn't have to happen immediately. But these are all the drivers. And all of a sudden, we started this conversation with 140K of borrowing capacity roughly. And now we're sitting here with 600K plus. That too with only one bank, one asset, 
with more assets comes more borrowing, not fully more borrowing, but still more borrowing at some point. All of this together just shows that it's possible to make changes to build your wealth and scale a portfolio where the interest rates are today at six, seven, five, four, three. All those are just one factor. The other factors, as you can see, outweigh that. That is a core part for interest rates and scaling during this time. There are many more pieces that happen here behind the scenes beyond these that can take you even further. But these are the first steps to really apply and we'll go into more in future episodes. And look, if you're liking episodes like this and if you feel like, hey, I want more content like this, I want to scale my borrowing capacity from 150 to 600, from one property to two to three to four. Oh, hey, click like. It's totally free to tune into conversations like this. Click subscribe on our YouTube page. I'm putting up videos like this regularly. Please check that out and uh, tune into more content like this.